This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah, the idea that the fork you use has to say made in China, but... (laughs) (laughs) Very true, yeah. The meat that you eat with that fork, you, you have no idea, you, you don't have to know where that comes from. We are adamantly working to get this message out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why every every chance I get to do a podcast like this, I, I get on it. It's one of the loudest things we, we talk about. That was Ben Spell, founder and CEO of Good Ranchers. This is the Farm Traveler Podcast, and I'm your host, Trevor Williams. On this episode, I'll be chatting with Ben to learn more about why he felt called to start this direct-to-consumer meat company and why they're focusing on sourcing all their meat from American farms and ranches. Ben explains one of the biggest issues with meat labels in the United States, which includes the appeal of the country of origin label, also known as the Cool Law, and why some of the world's biggest meat companies influenced that appeal back in 2015. He also raises the question that if everything from our clothes to our silverware have to have the country of origin label, why not our beef and pork? We'll also talk about the import and export numbers for beef in the United States, the greenwashing of food, and why we should support American farmers and ranchers now more than ever. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by agcareers.com. Check out agcareers for exciting career opportunities in the agriculture industry. Now, please enjoy episode 209 with Ben Spell. Well, Ben, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, man. Super excited to chat with you about Good Ranchers. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So I think we chatted a little bit before. You have a very interesting background on how you, you know, like your job before Good Ranchers to how you got to Good Ranchers. So what was that whole journey like? Oh, man. You know, it seems kind of... On one hand, it seems like a blur. The other <laughs> hand, it's yeah, it was interesting. I was I was a pastor before this, and I worked at a, a church here in Houston. I was a worship pastor, so it was okay. a large. Church. I don't know how familiar you are with like the 
the the church, like the big C church in the U.S. or even in the world, but larger churches have many pastors, not just one. And yeah, and so we were, and it was by definition a mega church, probably I don't know eight to ten thousand people or so. And so I, you know, I led a whole department, a whole team of people on the music and production side. Love doing it. Like that's what I like kind of what I'm gifted at, you know, I'm a musician, like just like naturally, I was always just kind of drawn to music and production and that, that kind of thing. And, but I started, I started praying and asking God to give me something. This, this was not a term back then, but I started asking for a side hustle. Uh, <laughs> before side hustles were a thing. Before side hustles were a thing. Yeah. I started <laughs> kind of praying and asking God to give me something else. Cause I, I didn't like the idea of all of my money coming, like my sole salary, I didn't like that coming from tithe payers. People, okay. not that there's anything wrong with working at a church and, and taking a salary. It's it's definitely a full time job, and you know most people think that you just show up on Sunday and and then don't do anything the the other six days of the week, which is not true. But very far um, from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so <clears throat> I began asking and asking God to you know, give me something I could do on the side to supplement my income. And, and, and ultimately I was actually hoping for something that I could serve the church and not even have to take a salary. That's mm-hmm. what I did. And for me, it was just something that kind of started stirring inside. And it's funny because God started giving me this idea of a meat company and kind of started like planting the seed of this of all these thoughts and and I had never started any type of business before no entrepreneurial background and no agricultural background mm, okay and so I was I was talking to my wife I would I would I remember the very first conversation I went to her and I said you know somebody could do this 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 and I had all these ideas for a, a meat company and the last thing that I thought was that I was going to be that somebody like <laughs> well, it was just an idea <laughs> in my head of of, for somebody else. And, and, uh, and so I probably over the course of a year to a year and a half, every uh, few months or so, this idea would come back and I would talk to my wife and I'd say, man, uh, somebody should do this, 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 this. And then I even have, um, I have some family that, that, uh, are not, not what, not kind of what we do, but they're, involved in agriculture and, and on the meat side okay and i remember calling calling them and talking to them and uh, it was my cousin and giving them all these ideas and say man you could probably do this 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 and and uh, and he just kind of blew me off like okay music boy like leave, leave that <laughs> <laughs> he didn't actually say that but it but it definitely didn't go anywhere for for him um and about again yeah so year year and a half of every few months having these ideas um, one morning I was getting ready. I was, I was employed full time at, at, you know, at the church still. And I started having the idea again. And, and, and every time it would come, I would be thinking someone should do that. And I just heard God's voice loud and clear say, you do it. Mm-hmm. And it like, it shook me. Like it, it really did. And I came out, I came out of the bathroom from getting ready. And I went to my wife and I said, I think God just told me to start a meat company. And thinking she was going to kind of laugh like what you did, kind of thinking she was going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, yeah, right, or that's crazy. But I'll never forget it because she looked at me and she said, 
if you heard God, then I trust you. And so, like, it was really, a, it was a pretty somber moment because now I have to either, like, put up or shut up. Like, did I hear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, yeah. You know, did I, did I really hear that or you know, am I just dreaming? And so we went all in and this was in end of 2017. We had just had our first baby boy. We went into 2018. We formed an LLC in 20, in January of 2018, good ranchers. And we had no idea what we were getting into. We had no idea where we were going, but we knew that we, we knew that we felt called to do it. And I know it sounds kind of funny because it's, you know, it's not a ministry, right? It's a, it's a business, but we knew we felt called to do it. And so dove in head first. Who we are today is 180 degree different than who we were in the beginning. In fact, we, we having no background in agricultural, in agriculture or business. So I, 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 we didn't know how to get started. So um, uh, how we started was I got meat from wherever I could get it, uh, asking no questions because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about country of origin, um, mm-hmm. labeling laws in a little bit. But we, you know, just assuming that if you're buying meat, from a processor that it's probably coming from cows and probably coming from cows uh, <laughs> somewhere locally or somewhere in the U.S. something like that. And so the the first uh, you know contacted a broker, got um, figured out how to get some meat, put it on a truck. I set up a truck in a parking lot in Waco, Texas, in March of 2018. Okay, and was advertising. Got bought a little bit of radio, Facebook, did some Facebook ads, and, and was just bringing people to me, to to us, to our tent, to buy meat. And people showed up, so that was cool. Uh, <laughs> that was actually good. And then went from one truck to two trucks to five trucks to ten trucks to um, by 2020, two years in, we had about almost 20 uh trucks and by trucks i mean like 26 foot box trucks like okay like half of a semi um so going into 2020 we had about uh, 18 trucks we weren't selling online at all but we were um just buying meat and putting on trucks and going all across the u.s and setting up and and selling um covid happened that was you know that was a big deal um and restaurants shut down like uh, so our trucks just explode mm. and, and that, that was probably first six months of 2020. Our, our goal was always to sell online and to get online. It's a really expensive task to be able to start a perishable shipping company. It's, you know, it's, there's so many businesses these days with like drop shipping and stuff through Amazon where you can like have little capital and you could start a store and and find products to sell perishable goods aren't aren't the case especially when talking about beef beef you know people think that people just don't think about it but you know beef takes two years on average 24 months from birth raised to harvest that's a that's a big cycle so so, you know, the, the challenge for us to get on lot, like there was definite challenges for us to start a meat company, especially being self-funded, not having any 
you know, we're, we're, we don't have any big companies behind us or with us or we've never taken money or anything like that. So, but yeah, COVID gave us some capital to get started online. We started selling online and, and then that just really took off for us, like really like massively took off for us. We, by the middle of 2021, we, we shut down all of, we stopped all of our trucks and we put all of our focus on, on shipping online. Yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell of how we got started, <laughs> but I, I missed, I missed a really important part and that's in second year in, in 2019, as we begin to get some purchasing power and get more trucks and start cutting out some of the brokers and middlemen and go right to yeah. producers. That's when we realized that's when I learned that, uh, most of what we were buying on the beef side, almost all of it was coming from Mexico and South America. And I went, whoa, what are you talking about? It says USDA right here on it. <laughs> and, and that's and that's when I learned about the country of origin living law for the first time. And for those who don't know, in 2015, the country of origin labeling law, uh, also known as the COOL, C-O-O-L law, was like silently repealed, uh, it lobbied, and it was just, Prior to 2015, you just like everything else in the grocery store, there's all of your vegetables, all of your canned goods, um, everything in grocery. I mean, shoot, everything in any store, your, your clothes, your shirt has a made in China or made in Taiwan or made in like, um, uh, label on it. Everything, uh, that gets sold has to have a country of origin label, but the U.S. the U.S. Uh, government quietly just took that off of beef and on pork in 2015. Consumers didn't know. Um, I mean, I was buying meat um, at a high level for for almost two years uh, and had no idea. It wasn't until um, we got up, like I said, when we got were able to cut through some of those middlemen or all the middlemen and get right to producers that we started finding that out. And when we found that out, we drew a line in the sand and said, no, we're going to, and, and we were looking at all of our competitors, like every major competitor online, uh, we found out, uh, uh, it, we're in, we're importing from South America, from Mexico, mm-hmm. from, from Australia, from New Zealand, from, um, from all over the world, basically wherever they can get it the cheapest. And, uh, um, this year alone, we, we've already imported over three billion pounds of beef into the U.S. It's getting sold. It's getting it's getting sold in grocery stores. It's getting distributed um, through restaurants and uh, and things like that. And people don't know. Consumers have no idea, and they have no way to know because in the grocery store, it, it's still going to have a USDA inspected tag on it. It can be. Mm-hmm. It, it can have an American flag and say product of USA. As long as it was butchered here, uh, doesn't matter where the animal was uh, was born, raised, and harvested. As, as long as it got the final packaging was put on in a USDA facility, they could put the USDA stamp on it, put an American flag on it, and call it product of USA. Mm-hmm. That's a real problem. For consumers because it's it's confusing and it's extremely misleading oh 100 percent, yeah yeah people there you know there was a poll done this year and like 83 percent of the 
of the people of the of, of the poll when people they asked do you does it matter to you knowing where your meat comes from and 83 percent said absolutely like mm. so yeah so when we learned that there was no country of origin labeling law we again we drew a line in the sand and said hey we are going to only source american meat uh we were really the first company to be especially the first online company to be really loud about that fact and really put that messaging out especially learning that and i'm talking about the major competitors like the the big guys in this space they're buying where they can get it the cheapest and you know i'm not gonna saying it's gonna make you sick or it's you know like anything like that and and or that it's i do think that the quality of american beef is by far superior to imported beef um but I, I always say this, and I want people to hear this. I don't care where you eat your meat, where you get your meat from, but I do think that you have the right to know and mm, emphatically yeah. know. Like this, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be ambiguous where your meat is coming from because it's too important. Like what's in it and where it's coming from, we should know because you are what you eat, and we know. Like we know that from the health studies. Uh, like, there's so many health studies today and we have a very health conscious society of people knowing what I eat and what I put in my body, it affects me. Um, and this is a big issue and just people aren't talking about it enough. So, you know, we're trying to, so thanks for having me on and uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you brought up something that makes total sense that I forgot about. Like our clothes have country of origin labels, but our beef doesn't like, why I you would think that the our beef and our meat would be much more important to know where it's coming from versus our clothing. And so it's so weird that that got repealed. And I mean, yeah, like I was looking at blueberries the other day in, in Walmart and it said product product of USA. And I did a little bit of Googling and most of it comes from South America, but because it's distributed here and then it's distributed again, they can say product of USA. So it's weird. It, I, it still baffles me that that was repealed. Um, all those years ago, because, you know, people need to know exactly where their food comes from, because if they want regenerative ranching, if they want regenerative raised beef, then they need to support local farmers because maybe they're buying beef from Walmart and they're importing it from Brazil where they're tearing down parts of the Amazon rainforest, but they want regenerative raised beef. So it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that the fork you use has to say has to say made in China but <laughs> <laughs> very true yeah. the meat that you eat with that fork you you have no idea you, you don't have to know where that comes from so we are adamantly working to get this message out mm -hmm. um, that's why every every chance i get to do a podcast like this I, I get on it it's one of the loudest things we we talk about i was on a podcast just this tuesday and, and we spent a good amount of time talking about just this issue because what if enough people, you know, we we're still in a democracy here. So if enough people speak up and 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 get loud enough, and there's a lot of talk. I mean, like we're making progress. Like we're talking about this, um, especially when you start. People are starting to get really aware of the just labels as a whole. There's so much yeah. greenwashing in mm -hmm. food and industry and. Organic does not mean what it used to mean, if it ever meant anything. But I think it did at one point. But it, like, there's 
you know, these big corporations just keep finding loopholes of how to exploit a claim. For instance, organic for chicken to be raised organic, that all, all that means is that it was it, it, the main thing it means is that they were fed organic chicken feed. And but two thirds of the organic chicken feed being used in the US is coming from third world countries. And the only thing that they have to the only thing that makes it quote unquote organic is they sign an affidavit saying that they adhere to all the rules of USDA organic. Oh, no one's checking this. Yeah, no one's checking this. No one's verifying this. There's they, they, and yet it's gets flooded into the US from across the world this organic chicken feed chickens that are being raised and labeled organic in the grocery store they're they they're still living in little pens but they have access to the outside um, and as long as they have access to outside and are fed this organic chicken feed then it's USDA organic and they get to charge more money for it and they're being raised almost identically to the way that commodity chicken is being raised um, and because uh, you know there's a there's a big difference between pasture raised chicken um, and organic chicken. Organic chicken is I'm not going to say it's 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 I'm sure it's a little bit better than commodity chicken, mm -hmm. um, just because at least they are feeding it organic feed. Um, but if you taste our chicken uh, over any organic chicken in the grocery store, you'll never want to eat any of it again. Um, but by definition, our chicken isn't USDA organic um, because they do have, uh, they don't just have access to outside, they go outside and and in eating outside and like having an, like what chickens are supposed to do. Chickens are amazing animals. So mm -hmm. You probably know this, but if you could have chickens, you should because <laughs> they do a really good job of, you know, we, we throw food down the garbage disposal. Like, if, like you could, like chickens, if, if, if every home had some chickens in the back, one, they could produce eggs, two, they could dispose of their garbage in a much more sustainable way. Yeah, 100%. Um, mm -hmm. when, they, when they live outside and they actually get pasture raised, it's much harder to get an organic even feeding them chick even su supplementing them with only organic feed that's not that when that's not their complete diet it can't be labeled as usda organic anymore. oh okay interesting yeah. even yes. though they're getting like a natural diet eating the bugs and stuff outside they still can't be qualified as organic because of that and unless you can unless you can certify that the fields that they're in are organic and it's just so a lot of red tape, uh, <laughs> and and, and I, it, you know it's crazy how how hard we we keep we we make raising food, even the even when it comes down to the people wanting to farmers wanting to be able to just butcher and sell to the public like mm -hmm. the USDA makes that really challenging makes it really hard and I know that there's like some safety. They put it under the guise of, well, we want to keep you safe, but you know, it's it's kind of up 
we should have the right to be able to buy from a farm if we want and take yeah. the, all the responsibility of ourselves. Like it's, it's a little overstepping of the government to say, well, they have to be U.S. They have to be USDA certified plant to be able to sell to the public. Like it's food, it's meat. We've been doing it for thousands of years, and you know. Anyway, that's a that's a tangent we don't need to get into. No, that's a very interesting one, though. But so real quick, I want to go back to the whole thing about us importing three billion pounds of beef. I mean, when you think of the U.S., you think we would, you know, lead the world in beef. Like, why are we importing so much beef? Is it just because it's so much cheaper? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's significantly cheaper. Mm -hmm. It costs more money to raise cattle in the U.S. Like because you um, the the cost of land here is uh, one, there's not a ton of even available farmland in the U S we're pretty much we've expanded and everybody who's got it kind of already has it. So, but like you said, in South America, they can just bulldoze down the Amazon yeah, Mm -hmm. and, and, and throw hundreds of thousands of cows out there that the, the cheapest way to raise cattle is to not feed them. Feed is what makes quality feed is what makes quality beef. How you raise quality cattle and make quality beef. And, I, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like shoving them in a feed lot and yeah. overfeeding and pumping them with growth antibiotics and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that, but quality cows, cattle raised in pastures still need feed. Like to actually grow, to put on the weight, to get the marbling, they they still have to be supplemented with feed, um, especially when you're talking about in areas which a lot of the U.S. cattle uh, ranches run into this. You have long winters where no grass is growing, mm-hmm. so you have to supplement their 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 feed. But you go to places like South America that's tropical year round. It's just a really inexpensive way to throw tens of thousands of cattle into a field, just let them eat and not, you don't really have to tend to them that much and harvest them whenever they, and I say, and this is really what they do. And this is why it doesn't taste good. Like you can taste test grass fed beef from brazil from new zealand from anywhere else in the world and put it against american grass-fed beef there's a noticeable difference i mean Mm -hmm. just a noticeable difference um because the yeah there's a science to raising cattle the right way like and american farmers ranchers like we've we've really figured out that hey if we feed them on a schedule if we rotate the their grass and their grain and the ratio and we and we we do this like clockwork we're gonna raise cattle that actually taste good and is healthy for you um and the imported stuff they're not doing that it's it's massive companies by the way like the two biggest beef companies in the world are brazilian owned ironically mm-hmm. um in, by in the world i also mean in the u.s massive companies that control the beef industry in the U.S. and they're both Brazilian owned. Like, think about that. Yeah. Uh, 
and and when you talk about like why the country of origin labeling law got repealed that's that's exactly why because if you put made in made in mexico or made in south america americans aren't going to buy it um or they're not going to buy it they're they're probably going to overlook it and and go to something that was probably nothing they're going to overlook it and they're going to buy something else yeah. so not not knowing um they're able to just flood it in to the grocery stores flood it into restaurants and yeah it's it it all comes down to money and making a lot of it and that's what they're doing that's wild. I, I didn't know that the two of the biggest ones are both Brazilian owned. That's very interesting. And and I try to tell people that all the time. Like if you want some like great beef, buy as local as you can because it's going to taste so much better than just like the random stuff you get at the grocery store. But I mean, like if you find something at a grocery store, grocery store that can prove it was here in the U.S., like go ahead and try it. But nine times out of ten, if you can find a local farmer or somebody like you guys, like you're going to have better quality and it's going to be so much better for you and also like better for the environment because you're going to be you're supporting like better practices like regenerative grazing rotation just stuff like that which is also really cool so how do you guys like when you're trying to expand and work with like more ranchers from around the u.s like what does that process look like for y'all almost every day at least several times a week we have people now emailing and they hey i have this operation and and, and hey, we're doing this, 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 and this. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited because we, as you know, as we continue to grow, we get better at what we do and and, um, and more efficient at it as well. Uh, but we, we, we just hired um, someone, a product owner, that's, that's going to really spearhead all of those connections because the, the way it's been up to now is it's been me like trying trying to run the business like in and manage the business and manage the growth and make the connections with with uh, farms ranches and different suppliers so starting in september we have a full-time person that's just dedicated to that and super excited about that because that's going to really help us bring more in faster but but yeah it, again as people begin to hear about us and what we're doing, like we, we've probably about a year and a half ago, we just started getting overwhelmed with, with ranch, with ranches, uh, mm. with cattle, cow calf operations, reaching out to us and saying, Hey, um, Hey, can I be a part? Hey, can I be a part? And so, and it's literally me going and visiting and looking at their operation and, and seeing what they do and making sure that it adheres to like our standards and what, what we're looking for and then and then just making that connection and then following the the following the the supply uh ensuring the the, the following of the supply to harvest and uh, you know it's it's really not that hard when you when you think about it it just has to be done yeah and so when you're going out there why, why are these ranchers like wanting to be a part of you guys i mean can they make a little bit more money by sending directly to you and obviously you want to make sure that they are no pun intended that they are good ranchers you know to be a part of you guys so like why are they yeah. wanting to be a part of your journey as well yeah because historically cattle ranchers get the short end of the stick mm. the and they're and they do they do the work uh they're doing the hardest part of the job like uh and um it, 
but unfortunately for them, they're really good at raising cattle. They're really bad at 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 butchering it and selling it. Like, and it, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get the short end of the stick. They they really do. Um, I was I was with I was with one of one of our uh, ranchers in uh, earlier this year in Idaho, and it was a brutal winter in throughout like. Uh, Utah, Salt Lake City, South Idaho. Like this past this past winter was absolutely brutal for them, mm. and and hard. And they were. He was one of the guys was telling me the story that in February, some of the calves that were born in the middle of the night, they went out. You know, calves were being born every day, and they they had a feeling some. They knew some were going. A couple were going to were going to probably drop that night, and by the time they got out there and found them i mean they were just frozen like these newborn calves just like just like their eyes frozen shut their mouths were frozen and and it was two of them they picked them up and they literally brought them into their living room of their house um put them on the floor by the fire and put blankets over them thinking they weren't going to make it through the night thinking they were think they're definitely you know they're probably not going to make it Uh, and but the next next morning wake up and they're just they're walking around the living room and and, you know and and they those two calves they they nursed them nurtured them one of them lost his ear because of the frostbite another one lost like part of its lip because of the frostbite but they you know they nursed them back to health got them out of the pasture and when i was there in april early April or May, I can't remember when I, when I was, when I was there, you know, to see, to see those two with the fold running around, it's like, that's the part of the, the cattle raising side that people don't see. And that's these, these are American ranchers. This is like, this is their business. This is their livelihood. They like taking care of these cow these cows, bringing them into their home to ensure that they, that they're, that they make it through the winter and to get strong enough to be able to make it through the process that they can sell it eventually and make yeah. a living. Um, but, and people don't, people don't think about stories like that. They don't think about like, they, they think that there's just like this factory and somehow like a, there's like a baby cow and it just walks into this factory and it comes out of steak. Uh, they don't think about the, the, the actual Americans that are bringing them into their living room and and wrapping them in blankets, babies, to make sure they get through the winter um, to ultimately get to your plate. And for that reason right there, that's why that's why we're so loud about this country of origin labeling law, because the American ranchers work really, really hard and they do it because they love it. They've been doing it for generations. And and they just can't compete by the, when billions of pounds is getting imported at such a less quality and such a lower price. It just drives the price down that they get when they go to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, if there if there wasn't if there was a country of origin labeling law and people weren't eating the imported stuff and they were overlooking in the grocery store, which they would, then then these ranchers would be able to get more because there would be more demand for American meat. Right now, there's no demand for American meat because it's just all labeled the same. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, like even like the stories you were sharing, I think those are incredible. I follow a bunch of farmers on Instagram and Facebook and around the wintertime when, when calves start dropping or dropping, you hear and see all these different stories of them bringing the cows in or like even like worst case scenario, like the calf is in a hot tub trying to, they're trying to raise up the temperature. And so it's crazy. Like you don't see that stuff in other countries, you know, where they're just pumping them up and they're trying to get as much money as they can. So I think that's awesome. You guys are trying to bring more awareness, more attention to the very hardworking, like American farmers and ranchers that are doing a really good job and they're really not getting enough credit. Yeah. It's the backbone of America. Like agriculture is, is, is the backbone of our country and we're slowly or actually we're quickly giving it away. Mm. And we have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. We, we should control our, we should have control of our food source. We should own our food source. We should know where that food source is. And I think if you, the people who control the food, if you control the food, you control the people. If, and we're giving so much power to other countries, not going to be too gloom and doom or conspiracy theorists <laughs> here, but if, if we're, to, if we have to be dependent on other countries for our food supply, well, like they have, they have power over us. Like we, we need to ensure that our food supply and we have enough land, we have enough space. I mean, there's, there's about 700,000 independent farms and ranches, uh, ranches in the U S um, it makes up 20% of the world's beef. Uh, and, and I'm not talking, I'm, again, this is independent farms and ranches. Um, and, and the average uh, herd side, the average herd of these independent farms and ranches is less than 50. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the story of the, the one I was just telling you about, they, they have, they have about 55 head when I was there. Um, and, and again, that's what just consumers, people, they don't think about, they, they think that everything's this, you know, they hear factory farming, factory farming, factory farming. And they think that it's just this like massive factory uh and it's and and it's just not it's not the case there is some of that but by and large it's 40 cows being raised here it's 50 cows being raised here like i said there's 700,000 independent cattle ranches in the u.s that make up 20 percent of our beef supply and if we if we treated them better if we yeah if we treated them better they could produce even more because that, that number is declining like, rapidly because it's harder and harder to stay in business. Feed, the cost of feed goes up, the cost of, the cost of keeping up with your land and maintenance mm-hmm. and all of that stuff keeps going up. But the, the price that, and the cost of beef in the store keeps going up because there's so much of it. And, but the cost that they get it is, is almost identical to what they were getting 20 years ago. So what do you think we could do, whether it's just consumers in general or people like you guys, what do you think we could do to like bring more power back to those to those 700,000 ranchers in the U.S. to kind of give them some more power? I mean, I think it's it starts with the 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 cool law. Mm. I think that's the, the biggest thing that we have to get done is getting a country of origin labeling get country of origin labeling on our beef and on our pork, by the way, it's, it's, you don't have to have it for beef or for pork. <clears throat> the, 
ironically, the largest pork company in the U.S. Yeah, was bought in 20, either 2013 or 2014, either way, before the country of origin labeling law by a Chinese company, company from China. And China produces almost two to one the amount of pork that the U.S. produces. So you can kind of do the math on on even that. They got the two biggest the two biggest beef companies are Brazilian and we import billions of pounds from South America and and then China produces the most amount of pork and and you wonder why there's no country of origin labeling law because it, who's going to buy a pork that says made in China yeah I no. mean on, honestly and no offense no offense to yeah, yeah, yeah. to any like race of people but Nobody in the grocery store is going to buy pork chops that say made in China. So it starts with the cool law and some things you can do if you just do a Google search and you put label our beef there. There's it's a it's a website. It's called r-calf-usa. Okay. And, and under there, there's a there's a there's a whole there's all the information of, of what you can do and who you can contact in your area to 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 help the petition to fight the Senate bill to get this repealed. So calf ranchers all across the country are very active in this. We need more people to get active. We need more just everyday people to get more active, to go there, to sign up, to, there's a link uh, on that website. If you, if you click it, you can just click it and it says email Congress. If yeah. everyone would just get on there and email Congress and say, hey, we want to know where our meat's coming from. Reinstitute the 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 cool law. Uh, we demand country awards and labeling. Um, if enough people would start doing that, we would make a difference. And again, we are making we are getting we are making strides in the right direction. Like we're talking about it, we're getting it there. Uh, but nothing in government uh, happens very fast. Yeah, so, true. So that's that's. That's what I would urge your listeners to do. That's what I would urge everyone to do, uh, because if if we can get if we can get the labeling right, uh, that would make a massive difference uh, for American farmers and ranchers. Yeah, and that's something very very easy to do. I mean, especially because there's that website already there. Like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't know where to start, but because that's there, you can just easily go there. Con- hopefully, contact your congressman and be like, hey. I clearly want to know where my meat comes from. Like it works for our, we have it for our spoons and for our clothes. Why not our beef? Why not our pork? Like it's time we have the largest pork or beef company be from the United States and not Brazil or China. Very interesting. So if people want to order from Good Ranchers, you guys have an awesome website. And also you guys were super kind enough. You sent me and my wife some meat. We're cooking a ribeye tonight. We're super excited. We tried the Wagyu burgers they're about as big as my head and they're delicious. So huge fan. I can attest to the quality. Yeah. 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 Um, so I tell people this all the time. If you could buy from a local farmer, do it. Like if you, if you know, if you got a farmer down like a farm near you that sells to the public, do it, support them. Like that's like, we're, we're not in the, we're not in competition with each other. Like we're, we, the, there's enough to go around and we want, we, we want to support farms and ranches. Mm-hmm. So if you, 
Um, and you can do a Google search in your area, find a you know, local farm near me. Now, I would question if they, if, if, and, if, and for that, like go pick it up. Like just because, it, because there's a lot of websites saying, oh, we'll direct from the farm, we'll ship it right to you. It's, some are legit, a lot aren't. Um, mm. And a lot, a lot of them are actually owned by the same big companies and they're just using really, um, really good marketing techniques and talking, talking about, yeah, buy, buy straight from it, straight from the farm. And, but what they're not telling you is it's straight from the farm in New Zealand. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, again, because they don't have to label it. So like, if you could go, like, when I say buy from a farm, I mean, like, go see the farm, pick it up and get it that way. That's a great way to do it. Um, um, and if you, if you can't, then buy from us goodranchers.com because we even though there's no country of origin labeling law you can trust us <laughs> right it's the irony the the irony of that but again we are adamantly fighting this fight we and i will say this and this is different you can look for this because our all of our beef and pork says this born raised and harvested in the usa or born raised and harvested yeah in usa not america in usa which is, so let me say that one more time. Born, raised, and harvested in the USA. If it says that, then you know, and all with our products, that's how you know, even though there's no country border labeling law. And that's not something that we, again, that's something that we choose to put because we actually can. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to see that with most all, especially the large online competitors. You're never going to see it. You're just going to see a, an, a USDA sticker and a USDA inspected sticker and that's it. And then even your website is really cool because you offer like a bunch of stories of the farmers you work with. Like here's a really good example on the website. Like, Hey, this is who we work with. Here's his story. Here's the story about his beef, which I think is a really cool touch. Like you can see what's going on. Where, like an example of where your beef might come from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we just, we, we just launched a pork line. We've been working to secure like this. We've been working to secure like this, uh, this line mm-hmm. for a- almost a year and we just launched it last month and then we sold out within like five days nice uh, we thought we had i know like the demand was so high but it's it's yeah our pork line is absolutely amazing and we're we're working to get it back up it's it's i think we're we're close to to getting our supply back up and increase a little bit more so we can have more people there's a waiting list for it right now because the same same thing is true with this is true with all animals like how you raise them is how it tastes and when mm-hmm. you raise them clean and pork especially because it's an unclean animal meaning it doesn't have like doesn't have sweat glands and stuff so um but when you raise pork the right way and raise them clean and you really pay attention to what you're feeding them and how you're doing that like the taste is so much better. It's, it's far superior um, to, and that's, and that goes with chicken. It goes with beef. It goes with everything like clean animals raised clean, just taste better. And you can taste the difference. And that's part of why, I mean, that's a big reason why we've had success is because anybody can get somebody to buy from them once, but to get somebody to want to keep buying, like you said, wow, those burgers were so good. Wait till you wait till you eat the ribeye. You're gonna go. 
whoa, this is amazing uh, because you can just taste the difference and you should be able to taste the difference in meat. It's not, it's not all created equal. And when it's raised the right way, when it's done the right way, there's a noticeable taste difference. And, you know, I would put, I would put the taste of our, of our product across the board, head to head with any competitor out there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I need to go back. I need to Google that, but, but Ben, thanks so much for chatting, man. Keep fighting the good fight. What you guys are doing obviously is amazing. I'm supporting American farmers and ranchers. Love your products. I'm going to shout at the top of the mountain and how good they are. So thanks so much for coming on and best of luck in the future. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, if we can spread the word about the label, our beef act, if we can spread the word about country boards and labeling law that, that would help us fight the good fight. Will do. Well, thanks so much, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Farm Traveler podcast, and thanks to Ben for coming on the show. Allie and I tried the meat from Good Ranchers, and it is absolutely delicious. Go check out our videos over on Instagram, and of course, give Good Ranchers a try as well. Go to their website, goodranchers.com, and of course, for more content, another website you can check out, go to thefarmtraveler.com for more episodes, more articles, more videos, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.